Hey, my go-getters, Christy here. Welcome to the Misi Muse Unplugged podcast. We've got an amazing show lined up for you today. If this is your first time listening, thanks for tuning in. The Misi Muse Unplugged podcast is produced every other Friday for your enjoyment. Show information, as well as any links shared on today's episode, can be found at www.misimuse.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSSS feed, SoundCloud, or iTunes. You can also follow me on Twitter or LinkedIn. Just search for Christy Lindor or check out my blog at www.christylindor.com. Have a question about consulting? Would like to be a guest on the show? We would love to hear from you. Drop us a line at Unplugged at Gmail. That's Unplugged at Gmail. Now let's get on with today's show. You are now tuned in to the Meesey Muse Unplugged, a pop-up podcast variety show helping consultants along their journey to greatness with your host, management consultant, author, and blogger, Christy Lindor. In today's episode, we will be doing a segment, what I call Crossroads. So for those who are new to the show, Crossroads are pretty much when a guest comes on, they're thinking about either going into consulting or leaving the profession, and they get a chance to just kind of ask me questions based on my own personal experiences. And so with that, so for today's Crossroads conversation, I'm excited to be able to connect with Xuan. So Xuan, can you take a moment to introduce yourself to the listeners and just share with us a little bit about the type of guidance you're currently seeking in the crossroads you're at today. Oh, yeah, sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Xuan. So I recently got my degree in genetics, and I have had some pharma experience while getting my PhD, and currently I'm doing an internship in business development at Small Biotech. So I'm really trying to get trying to transition to consulting, and there's some challenges along the way. So today I'm seeking guidance from Christy on how to how to prepare effectively and how to give a really strong kiss interview performance. Awesome. And so we're we're so excited to have you on the show, Sean. I think I think what's unique about your background is that you are a PhD student. I think sometimes when I've spoken to individuals looking to go into consultants, they have been in you know business school or having kind of that business background, but I think your your background is, is very unique. So I, I'm, I'm actually honored that you, you know, you're looking, you're trusting in me to give you some, some advice. So thank you. So I, oh, I yeah, am thank ready. Thank you so whenever, much for your time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So whenever you're ready, let's dig in. Let's go for it. Oh, yeah, sure. So I think I'll just start with my first question. My first question is, what are some of the qualities that you feel that push a candidate over the edge? So my feeling is that nowadays it's so getting consulted so competitive and giving mm-hmm. a good in case interview performance simply is still simply not sufficient. You have to be truly outstanding. And I, I wonder as an interviewer, what have you observed of some of the qualities that differentiate outstanding performance from a good performance? Yeah, I think it's a very, it's a commonly asked question, especially for mm-hmm. people that are looking to go into consulting and doing case interviews. So 
you know, I've been part, I've been, you know, in the past, I've actually been part of the recruiting process where we did case interviews. And, you know, I think it's, I think it's a couple of things. You know, the the first mm-hmm. thing as, you know, as a, a candidate, you know, you definitely mm-hmm. want to make sure that you are prepared. And prepared meaning that you have done, you know, a number of different cases in the past that you're comfortable kind of speaking the language of a case. And mm-hmm. you are, you know, you're, you're really kind of attacking it with a really structured way. But what I see mm-hmm. makes, you know, a candidate go from kind of good to great is how creative their solutions are, how crisp they're able to articulate their thoughts, and then also how, you know, how, you know, innovative they're able to bring in different elements based on what they have learned. But that seems to be what, what really kind of resonates, I think, in terms of the mechanics of a case and, you know, having kind of this, the, the canned, I call them the, you know, the canned answers, you know, is, mm-hmm. is one thing that's, you know, that's kind of showing basic proficiency. But I think being able to think about it outside the box, and that honestly, that just comes from taking a moment and really learning as much as you can about kind of the business world, seeing different things, being able to apply different concepts from different industries, and not just kind of focusing on what is like a tried and true answer. I think that, that, you know, and and to do that in a way that is compelling, where I see sometimes a good candidate can fall flat is if they sound too robotic. So, you know, someone who's who's prepared, they may be overprepared. And so they kind of, Mm. in in their mind, this is just another case. And I think you have to, Mm. you know, remember that the interviewer is there to assess your abilities, not only as a consultant at that firm, but as a colleague. And so you want to bring, you know, you kind of want to bring some of that personality and that shine, you know, bring some really innovative ways to think about things, but do so in a way that is not robotic. I it's see. kind of what I would say. I yeah, that, yeah. so kind of letting your, your personality shine in addition to mm. being able to come, you know, t- to come away with a really crisp, articulate response is, is also, and, and thinking about it. So taking time to pause, think about what you're, what's what being asked of you, thinking about what's not being asked of you and making sure you answer the question appropriately. So mm, I think if you, I think I if you could do that, yeah, I think if you can, you can do that really crisp, that usually can, you know, that's, that's some of the ways, you know, I feel like there's, you can go to so many others, but those are the main things that I think really stick out when, you know, when, when you're mm. able to do that in a way. Yeah. I see. So if, if I understand it, understood it correctly, it sounds like a good performance, they all share kind of some basic proficiency in terms of being able to structure a problem, being able to kind of solve it. But what truly takes candidate from good to outstanding is the ability to be innovative, to kind of show his or her unique personality and do that in the, do that and articulate in the very crisp and in compelling way. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, I, okay. I would definitely, I would, and it's compelling. So, so, so there's innovative, compelling, but also simple. There also is, simple. There's a, yeah, there's a lot of power in being able to take something that's a very something that's very complex and being able mm-hmm. to simplify it. So find ways, you know, that you're able to talk about a business problem in mm-hmm. in kind of, you know, like layman terms. That also can come off really compelling because it's it, you know people don't have to you know, really try to interpret or understand what you're saying as much when you're mm. using the more common language. So I see mm. another thing with, with sometimes with, with candidates is that they get so caught up in using these big fancy words that may not resonate. So, you know, knowing the fancy words is one thing, but knowing when to use them is another. And I think 
you know, being able to, to have that professional maturity really, you know, can make a candidate shine. So. I see. But would you recommend avoiding using those fancy words in a case interview? Mm, I mean, I would say use it sparingly. You know, focus on what matters most, making sure that you give your core message. If you mm-hmm. use you know, certain languages, you know, I guess my biggest thing is making sure you're answering the question and that you're not, you're not just trying to answer it to, to sound smart. I think that's the biggest thing. So it's like, you know, like answer the question, but answer it in a way that anyone can understand it. Because, you know, me as an interviewer, I have to look Mm -hmm. into the colleague, but I also think about, is this someone that I can put in front of a client? You know, Mm -hmm. clients, may or may not know the language that you speak, you know. So how do you, mm-hmm. how can you take, you know, these big, again, these big concepts and break it down into simple language, making, you know, analogies or, you know, referring to things in, in everyday kind of language. That's a really good skill to, to perfect. And people that do mm-hmm. that really well, they come off more credible, you know, than, than trying to use a lot of big fancy words. So, so use it sparingly. Yeah. I see. So use it when it's appropriate but not, to try to impress someone. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a, I that's a good kind of rule of thumb. <laughs> I see. Thank you, Christy. But you mentioned preparation. I guess sometimes I think about it. So, of course, we want to prepare as much as possible. But how to avoid that after so much preparation that we kind of get into the habit of forfeiting a case into a case that we did before? Mm, maybe clear? give a little bit, yeah, maybe give a little bit more of an example. Yeah, for example, like for example, you have done a case that's about outsourcing, outsourcing in the country in Asia, mm-hmm. and then you, you, you count another case as outsourcing, and he, you try to, and you try to forfeit, try to remember, you know, what happened in that case and try to apply that, or try to apply that knowledge to this one, kind of forfeiting, forfeiting the, your old knowledge into another case that may be similar by and but on a hand may not be. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think and, and hopefully I'm gonna answer your question, but you know, mm-hmm. there there is gonna be some similarity in certain like light industries, right? Mm-hmm. Or in certain certain similar business processes. I think it really goes back to the question being asked in the case. And don't kind of get caught up in okay, this is an outsourcing case, I have to go to, you know, okay, what's my outsourcing methodology? Or what's my, what is it that I did in outsourcing for this other case? You know, I think sometimes mm-hmm. you can't, you know, there may be some, some similarities, but you want to really look at each case with a fresh pair of eyes. Obviously, you're going to have a reference, right? So you can say, oh, yeah, I remember I did another case. It was an outsourcing case. But that doesn't mean that you're going to be equal. So I think it goes mm-hmm. back to making sure you really understand the question because you can have one outsourcing case that asks you about, you know, what, what, would, what would be the impact to the industry versus another outsourcing case that talks about the technology being used. You know, two mm. different, you know, same thing about outsourcing, two different perspectives, two different challenges. So I think it, it goes back to making sure you have a clear understanding of the ask of the case. I see. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so I would go just move forward to my next question. So in my recent interview, I got this feedback that he thinks I need to get better at being able to pull information forward 
And I was very mm-hmm. confused by what that means. So can you please okay. can you please clarify that? Yeah. So so maybe give me a little bit more. Maybe walk me through like, you know, was it at the at the end of the case? Was it at the beginning of the case? Like, you know, maybe give me a little bit more so I can I can try to see if I understand what he was referring to. I see. Okay. So I think he he was saying that this is a a very useful skill that has many applications. For example, for example, the the information the information I get from him of to be able to to really dive in and be able mm-hmm. to eliminate eliminate some hypothesis and move on to the next one. I guess mm-hmm. it sounds like making really good use of the information I receive from the interviewer. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of my superficial understanding of it. Okay, okay. Well, you know, first off, you've got to see yourself as being extremely lucky that he even gives you feedback. Because <laughs> yeah, I've know. seen cases, and I've actually been part of cases mm-hmm. in the past, you know, where I was being interviewed or I interviewed others, and people don't always give you feedback. So the fact that he stopped and he gave you feedback, I think, was, was really good. Yeah, I appreciate that as well. I don't think that's Yeah. <laughs> so the fact that he says putting information forward from just the context you just explained it, I'm going to mm-hmm. take a stab that, you know, maybe he was looking for more synthesis and he was looking for you to refine your uh, point of view along the way. So, you know, as you're I working see. through, you know, you may be working through your case framework, however that framework mm-hmm. is, and then as you cancel out certain kind of subcomponents or components of, mm-hmm. of your tree, of your issue tree, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. he may be looking for you to refine the analysis or the, you know, the, the analysis that you've come to. Now that you've gotten certain pieces of information, what mm-hmm. is your refined, you know, hypothesis? What is your refined, you know, analysis of the situation given what you know now? And then how does that, how does that piece of information tie back into, like, your next step in your analysis? Mm-hmm. And it may mm-hmm. be that you're doing that, but maybe you're, he's not hearing you say that out loud. Because I think part mm. of, you know, the, the crux of the case, I think this goes back to the point about what makes a candidate a, a good candidate from a great candidate. The point of a case is mm-hmm. to, to understand your your logical thinking on a situation. So it's not about the, the wrong or right of the answer. It's about how you got to that conclusion. Like, how did you get kind of get there in mm-hmm. a way that you can bring your interviewer along with you? So, I so when I hear... Yeah, so when I hear putting information forward, it, that's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing, you know, wanted to see more of a synthesis of your, you know, of the, you know, a, kind of a, an update of your hypothesis or kind of how you, you know, kind of went from, from section to section and your issue tree or how you cancel things out. And then how are you giving that information so he knows exactly where you are in the case? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. It does. I think synthesis is one, yeah, I think it's one of my weaknesses as well. So mm-hmm. I think when I, especially after some calculations, like if after some like long, like time-consuming calculations, I, I would just simply state a number. And then the interviewer tend to ask me, oh, so what? So what does this number mean? That we, oh, yeah, actually yeah. it this. So I, I, yeah. I couldn't, so I don't have to have any proactively stating the implication of the numbers. Mm-hmm. I have to kind of wait for the interviewer to ask, and which is, which I think sometimes looks bad. Right, right. And and I think it's just a habit. So as you practice, you mm-hmm. practice cases with your friends or with, you know, classmates or even, you know, mm-hmm. family, you know, make sure that's something that they see that you're doing so that you get in the habit 
of being able to clearly articulate your thinking and clearly articulate what's the next step in your logic. And it's just, it's just, mm-hmm. it's just kind of getting into the, the habit of saying it out loud so that you can articulate that when you get to the point of, you know, at the case. So then, it, then it becomes like second nature when you're talking through certain elements. I see. But would you say it's something that would simply come with just practice or there's some techniques that can, we can use while practicing to be more effectively getting to the habit of synthesizing? I think it's a combination. You know, you, mm-hmm. there's so many techniques out there on the market. There's so many different, like, techniques online. I think it's, it's finding one that resonates with you. But so it's part technique, but I think it's part practice as well, that you just, in your mind, you come up with kind of your cadence of how you, you do that. And like I said, there's, there's a ton of different things out on the market that can also help you with that as well. Today's episode is brought to you on behalf of the Misi Muse. A hundred plus selected practices, unwritten rules and habits of great consultants. A book by Christy Lindor. Written in the voice of a mentor, the Misi Muse provides insights on the unwritten rules of great consultants. A perfect read for new or aspiring consultants. Christy dives into her 15 plus years of consulting experience while sharing interviews and anecdotes from over 50 consulting partners and leaders that represents thought leadership from 80% of the top 10 consulting firms in the world. Pre-sale begins shortly. Sign up at www.macymuse.com. Yeah, that makes sense. Find something that resonates with with the individual, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. My thing is, uh, you know, you want to try to find, like, you know, several different, like, frameworks or just, you know, several different techniques you use. I think another thing is if you try too many different techniques, you know, it can become, you can kind of overcomplicate the way you kind of go about your analysis. So just just find one that really resonates with you. Again, I, I think it also depends on the consulting firm, right? The different, you know, different firms are looking for different things from cases. So when you speak to like, you know, a firm, you know, someone that's in big four versus a boutique, you know, consulting firm versus if you speak to, you know, some of the top strategy firms, they all look for different elements in their case and they have different pieces. So I would say make sure, you know, based on the type of firm that you're interviewing for, that you determine kind of what's the best fit of a framework that you can then just kind of, you know, study. And then it's just a matter of practice. It becomes kind of a wash, rinse, repeat cycle of itself. Sorry, what cycle? Oh, I, <laughs> I call it a wash. Like, you know when you wash your hair? Like a wash, uh-huh. rinse, repeat yeah. cycle. It's, oh, it, yeah, it's just, I see. It's just okay. a, a thing. Yeah, yeah. I see. You mean you're reinforcing it's, it's one of my each time you do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's just, it's just the way you kind of create a rhythm to do something. Mm-hmm. Making it a little bit stronger each single time you do it. Yeah. I see. Okay. So thank you for the answer for that. I really like it. So my next question is, I think it applies to other PG students as well, is like how to brainstorm effectively. Mm. Say a little bit more about that. I think normally at the end of the case, for example, you have identified, you have identified the, the problem of our client and then and, and then they would, the interviewer tend to ask you, so, so how can we, how can we address that? How can we actually increase sales in that region if the sales in the region has dropped? And then you're expect to be really creative 
and be and hopefully exhaustive, or they can say that oh, so the prescription of our of our drug has dropped because the because the diagnose, diagnosis rate and uh, the treatment rate has dropped. Why do you think the diagnosis rate or treatment rate have dropped for this indication? So I consider those scenarios as brainstorm. They would ask the why question. Why do you think this has happened? Or they can ask, oh, so now there's a problem. How do you, what are the ways to address them? How can you address them? Very, very different ways. Yeah. So, so in those scenarios, how to be creative and exhaustive. So I think the creative or creativity piece, you know, it goes back to the being prepared, right? Mm-hmm. You know, when you, when you have specific, so it sounds like, you know, especially as a PhD student, you're going to have specific life science is type of cases that you're going mm-hmm. to be looking to solve. You definitely want to make sure that you are out there, you're reading different types of actual cases of different companies, um, how they have, a, you know, in the case that you just mentioned, kind of the, the drug specific scenario, what are things that are mm-hmm. actually happening in the real world, right? What are some mm-hmm. things you can go back to history and have, you know, have kind of knowledge of, of how different companies, you know, made decisions, whether it was, it was the drugs or it was a trial or anything in that, in that lens, and what was the outcome of those decisions? Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's going mm-hmm. back to just kind of being prepared because if you think about, even, even if you've, you've never done it yet as a student, you have a lot of knowledge at your disposal of what has happened in the past. I think it's, it's getting comfortable reading up on those types of cases, understanding what was the impact, whether it was consumer impact, governmental impact, pick impacts, public health impact, financial, whatever those are, you know, mm-hmm. having those as like a, a frame of reference. I think that helps. And I think the other, mm-hmm. the other piece of, of brainstorming mm-hmm. kind of creatively is that you kind of don't want to be too stringent. And when I say stringent, I think sometimes, and I know I fall into this trap because I am a, I'm kind of a logical, organized thinker. Sometimes in that lens, you create rules, right, in the way you think or create, you kind of create like self-imposed boundaries in your thought process. Part of being creative is, is kind of letting go of certain rules and being okay in the what if. You know, what if this scenario, what if that scenario, and being able to think about things that, you know, may not hold true to current, to existing systems or existing paradigms, that is where creativity starts to come in, is to kind of think. So you may have, you know, the way you think that's in a box, you know, how do you start to to kind of stretch and break existing normative rules? And how do you do that? And again, you're just thinking, right? But in in doing Mm -hmm. that, it goes back to the habit. And doing that, you know, multiple times, all the time, you know, it helps you kind of create this new muscle. And that mm-hmm. muscle is that creativity because it's like, you know, okay, you, you know, you live in a world that's, you know, with box, you know, timelines and, and fixed and paradigms. But what if there's a possibility to do something different? What if, you know, the world is not, you know, the sky's not blue, the sky's red, right? And letting your mind kind of wander outside of what you believe is true, I think is, is a way that you can, and, it, and it's something that is, I call it a muscle because it's the more you allow yourself to do that, you can kind of do that just by, you know, having a different type of hobby. You can do that just as something you do, you know, with your friends. It doesn't have to be in the confine of a, of a case, but I think it's figuring out how do you incorporate ways to build in creativity into your life in a way that you can retrieve that skill 
and apply it to a case. You mean like just in daily life? Yeah, just in daily uh, life. For example, like something like if I see or when I'm, if I'm in a store and I see a process that I feel is inefficient and try to think of ways to imagine a ways to improve that, something like that? It could be. Okay. That can actually be one example. It could be something as mm-hmm. simple as, you know, you're at dinner and you're saying, okay, well, you know, normally what comes with the dinner is, is entree and then it's, you know, then you have, you go have appetizer, then you have your entree, then you have your dessert. Maybe you could just have a, a conversation with your friends and say, what would happen if dinner actually started with dessert instead of it starting with a salad? Mm. And, you know, just how, you, because it's outside of what you, you know it to be. And all That's it is, is, it's not that you're saying things will change. You're just thinking about it differently, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's so true, but I I feel like this probably also requires the candidate to be, I guess, to be bold. Because sometimes when I even think like that, I'm kind of afraid, you know, afraid of stating those ideas because I, you know, I don't want to sound like weird or ridiculous. Yeah, you know, you know what I'm saying? I, I think there's, example, there's if, beauty in that, though. There's beauty in mm-hmm. thinking about something differently because, again, the goal is not to be right or wrong. So remember, it's not about being right or wrong. It's about thinking about something differently. Mm-hmm. And to show that you can think outside the box. So, you know, yeah, there may be certain things that are kind of traditional types of answers. But what if you were to take a step and say, you know what, well, what if we looked at it this way? How would we tackle it this way? Sometimes it takes asking a certain type of question as well to create and, you know, create the space to have that type mm-hmm. of creativity. It's not that you have to have the answers. It's not about, like, again, it's not about being right or wrong. That's it's being, yeah. being comfortable and pushing the boundary and pushing the narrative. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Yeah. I think, I think that's not only like habit, but also a little bit changing perspective as well. That be yeah, comfortable exactly. with yeah, being, be, being bold, being like, yeah. be, be comfortable with thinking outside the box and knowing yeah. that it's okay. Yep. Yeah, I, that's, that's, I really like that. Thank you so much. Yeah, I think that's yeah. also kind of going, kind of resonates or to reminiscent of our previous points that it's probably something that truly differentiates a candidate, right? A candidate who is not afraid to say innovative ideas that are not traditional. Right. And sometimes, okay. it's not sometimes always like these, like out, you know, these really outlandish types of creative recommendations. It can also be something as simple as, you know, you've seen something was successful in another industry, why don't we apply it to this industry? It could be something That's as true. simple as a cross-pollination of ideas. It doesn't have to That's always true. be kind of these outlandish types of things. So, again, it depends, right? It depends mm-hmm. on the case. It depends on, you know, what the answer is. It depends on what the ask is, is how you decide to push creativity or not. But creativity mm-hmm. comes in different layers. You know, I kind of talked about the extreme kind of area of creativity, but it can be in, in, in different, it can be something, like I said, as simple as cross-pollination of, of ideas from one industry to another. It could be something as simple as That's that. That's true. That's true. Yeah. 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 And that requires a candidate to have broad knowledge of different industries, right? So if you read a lot right. and prepare a lot, that, that will come in handy. Yeah. Absolutely. Like what yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I think... I think that my next one kind of relates to the point you previously mentioned, how to prepare for different firm 
the different expectations of a, a candidate kissing to her performance? Yeah. So I think in terms of preparing, it goes back to being comfortable and, you know, the framework and the types of questions and, and being prepared. The other part of that, too, is knowing what you're the firm that you're recruiting for, knowing what they're looking for, understanding, again, what is it that they, what is the objectives of their case, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's something you'll get from speaking to recruiters, you'll get from, you can, you know, do a little bit of research online, you can connect with, you know, with current employees, like having informational interviews. It's in mm-hmm. having kind of, the, you know, doing all those different, doing the legwork, so that you know mm-hmm. and you have a clear understanding of what that firm is looking for is critical because, yeah, like as I mentioned, different firms are looking for different things. Ultimately, mm-hmm. they all want amazing, high-performing people, but that, that definition is different depending on the firm that you're talking to. I know that's a little general, I but see. that's pretty much kind of what, you know, what the premise is, I would say. Hey, go-getters. Have feedback on today's show? Questions on consulting? Want to be a guest? We'd love to hear from you. Just drop us a line at mecmuseunplugged at gmail. That's mecmuseunplugged at gmail.com. You can also show us your support by downloading episodes, spreading the word to friends and family, or leaving us a review. Remember, Meesey Muse Unplugged is a pop-up podcast, which means we'll stick around as long as we continue to hear from you. Thank you for your support. Now back to today's show. Mm, and prepare, really understanding their, what they're looking for and prepare accordingly. Exactly, exactly. I see. So I, I'll jump to, to my last couple questions. So this one is about how to manage a failure in the preparation and in the past of getting to consulting. You know yeah. what's interesting about failure, Sean? I find that it's not just like one person or it's, I'm not talking about you in particular, but there's mm-hmm. like this fear that we sometimes build up in ourselves, right? And mm-hmm. yeah, we do. Definitely. And you know, my thing is I, I look at it differently. I look at it as like, I don't know, it's like in our minds, it's like we, we come up with this expectation that we're not supposed to fail. Who says we're not supposed to fail? Just Okay, so just like how we succeed is the same way we Mm -hmm. fail. Like, that's just part Mm -hmm. of life. And then the fact that we think we're not supposed to fail is actually what keeps people from not succeeding. I know that that may sound a little weird to say, but it takes failure to succeed. It takes you, like, think about it. If if we were to take it back to, like, when you were the kid, right? And our Mm -hmm. view was, you know, people don't just, like, start crawling and they don't just get up and walk. You know what, it, like, a little baby does? They, like, crawl, and then they, like, try to get up, and then they fall, and then they try to get up and fall, and, you know, and they keep doing that over and over and over and over. Each time they fall, if they said, you know what, I'm on the floor, I fell, I'm not going to try to walk. There would be no walking in the humans in this, on the planet, right? If, as a baby, we, we allowed ourselves to just say, you know what, I fell, I, I can't do it, not walking. But that's not what we do. Mm-hmm. We this take the moment. Yeah, we persevere, and then guess what? Everybody walks, right? So the same concept applies to life. It's yeah. about having the experiences, and the more that you have experiences, you're going to have failures. I mean, that's just to be that's expected. I think the thing, the key, the key thing to take away is take every what you call a failure, take it as an opportunity to to learn from it. 
and learn what mm-hmm. you need to do better. Just like when you're learning how to, you're crawling and you're learning how to walk. What does a baby do? They figure out, oh, okay, well, maybe if I lift myself up and I give, you know, use, use my legs, the strength of my legs, that can push me up. And then I can start to take a step. You know, like babies, they, mm-hmm. they, they kind of inherently do that. So it's like, why would that be no different than when, when we're adults? And we're, you know, looking to get a consulting job or go to, you know, different tools or anything. It's the same concept. So Yeah, that's, no, I guess because the conditioning and the, the process of growing up, right, you know, actually as adults, sometimes when we fail, when we fail, we overreact or overcomplicate it. Instead of just yeah. simply trying again, <laughs> we, we start to have those doubts about ourselves, yeah. about our capabilities. Is this something, you know, I'm supposed to do is something that is a good, do I really have the capabilities or, you know, am I eventually going to succeed? Right. And what happens? Yeah. What happens is like, to your point, like people, they take those and they they make failure such a debilitating type of fear. It paralyzes Mm -hmm. their real success. People are so scared. There's a lot of things people don't do because of fear, but that same fear is what's not making them successful. That's true. You yeah. have to, you have yeah. to fail to succeed. You have to like it's there's like there's no shortcut. There's no quick win scheme mm-hmm. in life. You have to fail to succeed. That's just how it is. Mm-hmm. The bigger question is how much do you let your failures, you know, stop you from succeeding. And so going back to the case, if you've had you know a, a chance. You've done an interview. You got feedback. You know what? That's great. Feedback is a gift. Use that to get better. There's nothing that says you cannot go back to that same firm in the future and interview for them again. There's nothing that says that. People do it all the time. So Mm -hmm. even if you don't nail it the first time, that's okay. If that's where you want to go, whatever the firm is, Mm -hmm. if that's what you want to do, you know what? Get the feedback. Take it. And then, like, you know, study your heart out. Practice, mm-hmm. practice, practice based on that feedback. And you know what? You go after it again. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. It may take time. But if I, yeah, if individuals determine and, you know, have the mind set on it, I think most likely it's going to succeed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, right? it's just, again, yeah. you have to, dis- you have to make that choice. If you're going to put in the work that you need to, you know, whatever the firm is, you know what you need to do. It's you deciding, you know what, if, if I failed the first time, you deciding that, you know what, I'm worth it again to try it again, and I know this time I'll get it. And if I don't get it, guess what, I'll try again. And there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. I think, again, we build mm-hmm. up all this stuff in our heads. Some people don't even interview, one, or two, they interview and they don't make it, and then they like, they're like, oh, that's not for me. This career is not for me. That's not true. So it's, it's, okay, what is it that I need to do to prepare so that I don't fail? So I think it's, I think it's embracing failure as a way to catapult to your success. Yeah. Embracing is an opportunity to learn. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and I think also maybe opportunity to get stronger. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And, and get more, like, have a bit more courage each time. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, so I'm finally moving to my last question. So what percentage, as interviewer, based on observation, what percentage of time you failed the candidate because of the behavioral or the fit portion of the interview? And what percentage, what percentage of time you failed the candidate because of the, the case skills? And, you know, I guess the rest would be the time that you failed the candidate because combination of both. Yeah. 
Yeah, I never thought about it as percentages, you know. Mm-hmm. It's funny you, you mentioned you mentioned that. When it comes to the behavioral piece, I think it really depends on what you know, what the response is or what you know, what is it that is, is the concern. So obviously to me, behavioral and fit is the biggest component of you know, usually if someone fails, at least in my mind, if someone fails fails an interview with me, it is because they have shown that, you know, maybe they're too rigid in their thinking, they're not showing flexibility enough, or, they, you know, they may not be displaying that they can be coached. You know, sometimes I think people mm-hmm. come in and they, you know, they have a very mm-hmm. kind of strict way that they look at things. And in our world, you have to I be, see. you have to live in ambiguity, you know, at times. So if someone comes off like they're, they're too rigid in, in their thought process, you know, they, they don't really, they kind of look checked out. You know, they're kind of there, you know, either because mm. they, they, think they, they think they've nailed it or they just, they're not feeling it. It comes off uh, in someone's energy, you know. It comes it off sounds, in, the, in the, go ahead. I was going to say, it, it just kind of comes off. It comes off, mm-hmm. it comes off in, in different ways. And so to me, that's, that's the biggest thing. It's like, if you're not, if this is something you really don't want to, you really want, you know, you're passionate, you're enthusiastic, you're coachable. I mean, those are workable attributes. I think it's it's sometimes the latter that it just makes it really difficult to have someone pass. But it sounds like the rigidity and the close-mindedness are stuff that are manifested in the case performance, right? It could. It could. Absolutely. It can, it can definitely come up in the case performance. I think, I think the other part of that, so for cases, I think what can make someone not pass the case, at least for me, and I'm nice. I'm like a, one of those nice interviewers, but I'm sure. <laughs> I think the biggest thing is, you know, if they're, if they're not really organized in their thought, I can't follow them from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. If they mm-hmm. seem to get lost in their own thought process, you know, anything that's just like, it's like glaringly like this person was not prepared or they really don't know what they're doing, it comes mm-hmm. off. This is not one of those. See, I think what's interesting about consulting interviews, you can't always kind of BS your way through it. You got to know, yeah. you know, kind of what you're talking about, at least in certain, especially in the advanced rounds. And some people are really good. Some people are really, really good at being, you know, great interviewers or interviewees, but there's certain elements you can't fake. And I think it yeah. comes out yeah. in the fit and it comes out in the, in the case interviews at times. I see. Especially so many rounds, right? It's yeah. impossible that if you give a consistently good performance if you just don't know what you're talking about. Right, right. Yeah. So you're saying that you can tell if a candidate is coachable or not from the behavioral questions you give them. Yeah, I can tell if they're coachable or if they're, they're like, really committed to the answer. They're not willing to think about something in a different lens. If I give them new information, you know, there's just kind of ways that you can see how someone thinks just by their, mm. you know, the thought, they, they take you through their thought process and then you like challenge it and you kind of see how they react to it. I think you can see it for sure. I see. I see. And you're very perceptive. You're probably very good at spotting that. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, I'm, I'm nice. You know, to me, if yeah, by the time by the time you get a chance to you know interview with me, you've probably gone through multiple rounds with a lot of different people. So I know mm-hmm. that you know by the time I'm talking to you, you've been vetted tremendously. So I, I I don't really go hard. My biggest thing is, can I work with this person and can I put this person in front of my clients? Can I trust? Can I see myself trusting, building trust with this person? 
to be able to, because by the time they get through all the rounds, you know they're smart. You know they're qualified, mm. right? You know, that's mm-hmm. not it. It's the intent. I call them in my book, in, in a meeting meet, I call them the intangibles. That's what I look for when they give to me. Yeah. So when you interview Canada, you know that because I've passed quite a few rounds, you know, you trust that they have oh, yeah. their interview skills. But they are, oh, you yeah. are looking really for their emotional intelligence component. Pretty much. Yeah. Yep. Bingo. Yep. yep. I see. I see. I see. And being coachable, whether open-minded or not, is, yep. is, a very, is, is a big part you would look for. Yep. Right. Okay. Okay. I guess we have run out of time. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> do, you, do you have to jump, jump into... Yeah, no, this is so, well, so helpful. You. I'm thank glad you so it was. Much. This was such a great conversation. I, I was like, oh, this, you kind of, I hope it was helpful for you. Oh, very, very I helpful. Wish... You're always so helpful. <laughs> okay, awesome, awesome, oh, uh, Joanne. Well, are, are you, yeah, I guess, are you going to give a live case workshop, like, at some point somewhere? Not on this particular episode, but that's something, actually, I wouldn't mind doing. That's actually not a bad idea. Maybe that's yeah, maybe that's I, something we'll have to figure out how do we like work that in in the future in a future episode. Yeah, or maybe at a consulting club or something. How about this, Sean? So when you, because I know you're going to nail it, you're going to get, you know, you're going to go on interviews and you're going to nail it. I would love to have you back on the show and give us an update on on where you land and and what you're doing. Does that sound good? Oh, that sounds great. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. I hope well, that awesome. happens soon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure it will. I'm sure it, you got it. You have a great energy and and a great. You know, you're you're ambitious, and I know you're going to take what we just talked about, and you're going to run with it. So yeah, um, I'm going to take that in <laughs> and apply well, it. Yeah, and thank you. You're awesome. so inspiring. Yeah, thank you. So thank you. So my go gutters. If you have a career dilemma or just want another opinion. Feel free to email us at mefemuseunplugged at gmail.com. Again, Shwan, thank you for being on the show and have a great day, everyone. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. This pop up podcast was inspired by my upcoming book, The Misi News 100 Plus Selected Practices, Unwritten Rules, and Habits of Great Consultants. I have people asking me over the last year, many questions about this book, but the one question that comes up constantly is, Christy, you have such a demanding career. How did you find time to write this book? And honestly, the answer is simple. I really sought to become the mentor that I wish I had earlier in my career. In the beginning of my career, I didn't have many mentors, um, mental maps of what success really looked like, and I really struggled with that in, in a lot of different ways. But what's nice about struggles is that I overcame them. I grew stronger, more competent, and I'm so excited where I am today in my career. I, I just want to share, you know, what I've learned and be able to help you. And so I wrote the book, you know, with my years of experience, but I also had an opportunity, an amazing opportunity to connect with over 50 or so consulting partners and leaders across the industry, sharing their stories, their antidotes, their resources on how you could be a great consultant yourself. So do me a favor, pick up your phone right now, go to www.mecnews.com. If you scroll down, you'll see a little box to sign up for uh, the book pre-sale notification, go ahead and sign up for it. Um, I'd love to hear your feedback on uh, my book as well as the podcast. 
So thanks again for listening and here's to your journey to greatness.